Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Happy Easter to all of you. Uh, a lot of emotion up here, huh, for some of us. But I want to wish uh, a very, very happy Easter uh, to all of our guests here today. If you're here for the first time, if you got bribed into being here, uh, if you got dragged here in your pajamas, you know, like we saw in the intro video, it is great to have you. I want to welcome you. Uh, our church is for you. Our church is a place where we want people that come for the first time to feel welcome and, and to understand that, that Jesus and, and God have a message for you. Uh, but today's a very, very special day, and we're celebrating Easter. And for a lot of people, they, they realize, you know, it's a, if you think about your memories as a child, and for me, it was an Easter egg hunt. For me, it was a great buffet. But one thing I'll never forget is it was a day that the whole family came together, warts and all, and we looked across the table at each other, and we said, we're family. Amen. And we're blessed to have what we have, even though it may not seem like a lot we're blessed to have. But what makes this day special? We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. In John 20, in verse 1, it says here, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And the thing about this, Mary Magdalene was one of Jesus' most famous female followers. And she was there in all the special moments of, of Jesus' ministry and his life. But like many of you here today, Mary Magdalene thought Jesus was incredible. He was a prophet. He changed her life. He gave her a second chance to live again, to start over. And even though Jesus had done so much, he was a powerful speaker, he was a prophet, he was a miracle worker, he was unparalleled in her life. This morning, Easter morning, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and thought Jesus was dead and that he was never coming back. And when she went there that morning, she had brought spices and, and herbs because she was blessed by Jesus like nobody else. And that's why she was there that, that morning. And if you've heard the story about Jesus' ministry and how it ended, on a Friday, Jesus was arrested. And he was brought before the Sanhedrin, the court, and they found him guilty of blasphemy and many other crimes that were brought to him. And they arrested him, had him flogged, and later that day he was crucified. And on that afternoon, Jesus bled to death. And he was basically squeezed out of all of his life on that afternoon. And after Jesus had died, what happened typically was they would leave someone on the cross for days. But because it was the Passover, the very next day, they had to take all the bodies down. And the other two criminals that were crucified were Jesus. They broke their legs so they would suffocate, but Jesus had already passed. He'd already died. And so they stuck a spear just to make sure he was dead, and blood and water flowed out of his body. So they took those bodies down that afternoon. And Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate boldly, and they asked for Jesus' body. See, because when a criminal was crucified, they typically would take the body and they would throw the body in the dump. That was part of the sentence. That was part of the punishment for being a criminal. 
You were forgotten. But Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took Jesus' body. And they may have even had to bribe. See, because Joseph of Arimathea, he was very connected. He was very wealthy. And he, he probably paid Pilate, bribed him so that he could get Jesus' body. And because it was the Passover, they had to quickly embalm his body. And so that's what they did. And they took his body, and Joseph of Arimathea had a tomb of his own. It was considered a wealthy tomb, and they placed his body in the tomb and left him that night. And on Sunday morning, Easter morning, before the sun was up, as it said in the passage, Mary Magdalene went there with herbs and spices because what she thought is that Jesus' body needed to be embalmed. But typically this is how it was. They would put someone in a tomb and they would leave them in the tomb until their, their body would decay completely and all that was left was bones. And then once the body was fully decayed, they would take the bones and they would place them in what is called a bone box or an ossuary. And they would place the bones and take the ossuary and give it to either Jesus' mother or a relative of Jesus. This particular ossuary was found in Jerusalem, and it is the ossuary of one of the relatives of Caiaphas, the high priest. And typically these ossuaries would have the name inscribed here on the, on the top part of the bone box. And this was the same relative that was related to the high priest who tried arrested and sent Jesus to be crucified. But this is what they would do. They would take a bone box. But that morning on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene went with herbs and spices because, as you can imagine, a woman, knowing that two men had quickly embalmed Jesus' body, she figured they didn't do the job right, and he's my Lord and my Savior, and, and, and I, need to, I need to make sure this job is done right. So she goes to the tomb. And I want you to think about this, that two days after Jesus had died, would you go into a dead person's tomb, open it, unwrap the body, re-prepare, and then re-wrap the body again? Would you do that for someone? I thought about it earlier this week. Mary had a special love for Jesus. I mean, who would do that for someone? Maybe for a son, maybe for a parent, maybe for a spouse. And I thought about it and I said, you know, I wonder if Laura, my wife, would do this for me. So I went and asked her. I, I got up from the desk and I went and asked her. I said, hey, you know, if, if, if you are concerned about these two guys, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, if they embalm my body quickly, you know, would, would you go in and make sure, would you go into my tomb and unwrap me and then, and then re-prepare my body? And there was a long pause. <laughs> and she said, I think we would go with what Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus <laughs> did. And, and I believe we agreed in our will and trust that we would be cremated, so that it's done is done. But I want to tell you about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene loved Jesus so much. 
She had such a deep respect that she was willing to do that. She loved Jesus more than you do. She loved Jesus so much that she was willing to go and honor his body. But let me tell you something. She loved him. She, she, she believed he was a great prophet. But on that morning, Mary Magdalene believed that Jesus was dead and he was never coming back. That's what they believed. Like many of you here today, you, you may have a faith in Jesus that you love his teaching, you love, think he's a great prophet, you think he's, you know, he's amazing and he did miracles, he was, he was an amazing teacher like no other. His, his parables, his, his, his speeches, what he did and how he moved people, how he started a movement. But about the resurrection, you have questions. They had questions. And so we read here, and so she came running with Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved. This is John, who he's talking about himself. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Mary's, she's, she's, she's struggling with the fact that someone stole Jesus' body. But there's no implication of a resurrection. They weren't thinking that Jesus is going to be raised from the dead, although he prophesied about it. They weren't thinking about it. Where were the disciples at this time? Where were the apostles at this time? They were huddled in a room fearing for their own lives because their leader had just been crucified and they weren't sure whether to go home or stay, so they were hiding. But none of them expected a resurrected Savior Easter morning. Here's the thing you need to understand about Easter for the apostles and for all the followers of Jesus. Nobody, nobody was standing outside the tomb counting down from 10 Easter morning. There were no choirs. There was no sunrise service. And the incredible thing is there were people that, in, that, that were so indebted to Jesus. You think of Lazarus who spent four days dead and Jesus raised him from the dead. If there should have been someone that morning waiting for Jesus' resurrection, you would think it would be Lazarus. Or you would think of Jairus whose daughter was raised from the dead also. You would think of all these people who were cured of their demons, of cured of their diseases, paraplegics who, who walked those days. All these people who were cured of so many things. But here's the thing, nobody was there that morning at the tomb. Counting down from 10. Because everybody, just like some of you who are here today, you love Jesus, you respect Jesus, but you have a hard time with the resurrection. Believing. See, because... People don't raise from the dead. A dead person doesn't come alive again and, and walk again. It was, it was hard for them to take. It was hard for them to believe that morning. So Luke did an investigation as well, and he, he says in his gospel, he says it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, there were three women, Mary, the mother of James, and the others, who went with them and told the apostles she went and informed the apostles, and look what the apostles' reaction was. They did not believe the women because their words seemed like 
nonsense. See the very idea, and this, this word is so powerful. This word is so powerful because for them to think about a resurrected Jesus, resurrected Savior was nonsense. They weren't waiting for this. And I know there are some of you here today, you know, and this is, this is typical of Americans. We're skeptical. We question things. We're not sure if we believe. We like bits and pieces of Jesus, and everybody likes Jesus. If you asked and took a poll of, of the world, there are religions that say, oh, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is a prophet. Jesus was a great man. Jesus did a lot of things. But this? Resurrection? Mm, I don't know. Sounds like nonsense. Peter, however got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying by themselves and went away wondering to himself what had happened. So is he, is he, is he jumping around saying, I believe Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. Is he doing that? No. Peter is wondering. Some of you are wondering. And he's asking himself, what happened that day? What happened to Jesus' body? What's going on here? And I want you to understand something really, really important, because this is huge. If you're a first-timer, if you're new to faith, and if you're not, you're not sure of the Bible, you're not sure of things, there's good news here today, because I want you to understand, the first-century followers of Jesus documented, they documented their disbelief. They wrote it down. I mean, if you want to invent a story, if you want to create a story, a fictional story about Jesus rose from the dead, would you write into the history books, document your disbelief? Would you document, Peter, would you document that he was intimidated by a middle school girl and denied Jesus in front of her twice? Would you do that? Would you write, would you document the fact that the night that Jesus was arrested, that everybody ran and hid. Would you write that down? No, 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 you wouldn't do that. You would, you would write yourself in as the hero, right? You would write down that, yeah, I'm Peter. Everybody else didn't believe, but I believed. See, me, John, James, and, and Mary, we believed. But you'd never do this, right? See, th this speaks to the authenticity of what we know. Amen. See, because they were like you and me. To believe someone rose from the dead is hard to take. It's hard to believe. And they documented their disbelief, which is powerful. So, and I, I want to ask you, did you know why all four gospel writers presented Jesus' closest followers as bewildered, confused, and afraid. Do you know why they, all four gospel writers, do you know why they wrote that? Because it was the truth. They were bewildered, confused, and afraid. On Easter morning, see, there was no music, there was no fanfare, there was no sunrise service. There was no choir, there was no band. 
proclaiming Jesus is, has risen. No, no, there was, there was silence. There was bewilderment, confusion, and fear Easter morning. But then something happened later, later that day. Something happened. And their fear was wiped out. See, because that day later, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. It wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. See, and later that afternoon, Jesus went to the hiding place of the apostles. He went in the room and he said, peace be with you. And he looked at Thomas straight in the eye, the doubter of all doubters, the skeptic of all skeptics. He looked at Thomas in the eye and he said, stop doubting. Put your hands here. Put your hands here. Believe. And then a few weeks later, something tremendous happened. Just weeks later, not months later, not years later, just a few weeks later, on the day of Pentecost and right after that, Peter and John, the same guys who are hiding for their lives, they go to the temple to pray, and they walk into the temple, and they, they see an invalid there. And they look them straight in the eye, and they said, do you believe that you can walk? And they said, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he stood up and walked. And it created a great commotion that day. People started you know, wondering what's happened. This is what Jesus used to do, and now these guys are doing what Jesus used to do. What is happening? What's going on here? And so a crowd forms around Peter and around John. And the amazing thing is that Peter and John didn't teach parables, and they didn't teach what Jesus taught. They said one, they, they spoke one clear message, one particular message, and here it is. Imagine Peter, the one who was afraid of a middle school girl. And he's standing in front of a crowd, an enormous crowd, and look what he says. He said, you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. Now, Peter, wait a second, Peter? This is the same crowd that chanted, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. But Peter is going after the crowd. He's fearless. He's pointing his finger at them and saying, you crucified Jesus. What happened to Peter? What happened to John? And look at his message. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We don't just believe this because you can be mistaken about what you believe. No, no, no. We saw. We don't believe in. We saw that. They were witnesses. And that is what changed Peter into being a coward, bewildered, confused into being a fearless witness of Jesus that he was raised from the dead. So 
Here he is in front of this huge crowd, and he's letting them have it. He's letting them know that they were responsible for the death of Jesus. And so the, the guards of the Sanhedrin came, the, the high priests and their authorities, they came. The same guards that came and arrested Jesus at night came and arrested Peter and John. And they took him into the prison. And so they let Caiaphas, the same high priest, and his, his tribunal, the same high priest, they let him know. They said, hey, we got John and we got Peter, and they're saying that we killed Jesus, and they performed a miracle in the temple, and all craziness is breaking loose. You need to come. And so Caiaphas, Caiaphas and all the Sanhedrin, all the court of the priests, make a beeline to speak with Peter and John. I want you to think about this. If there were ever, if there was ever an opportunity for Peter to back down and massage his message, it would be now. Chapter 4. Here's Peter 10 feet, 10 feet away from Caiaphas. And the same court that arrested, tried Jesus, and handed him over to be crucified, flogged and crucified. Same group. Look what Peter says. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Whoa. I, I want you to just imagine Peter with his finger in Caiaphas' face. I mean, the high priest had power over the Jewish people. And then he, then he says this incredible statement. He says in verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given, by, given to mankind by which we must be saved. He narrows it down really clear. You know, there's a lot of teachings out there. There's a lot of belief systems out there. But there's only one. There's only one that can give you eternal life. You know, you think, you think about this. This is incredible that Peter's doing this. you got to ask the question, what happened to Peter? He's fearless. And they took note. They took note. Look at what they said in verse 13. He said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they're like you and me. You know, we got our moments of fear, right? How many of you like to stand in front of crowds and point your finger and tell them you're a murderer and know that they can arrest you and have you killed? Hey, they were ordinary people like you and me, and they noted that. And they realized they were ordinary men, that they were astonished. It blew them away. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And they noted something else. These men saw something. These men witnessed something. See, they weren't preaching a belief system. 
they were preaching facts. They were preaching what they saw, what their physically ears, eyes, hands touched, heard, felt. So, I want to I want to ask you today because they initially were like a lot of people. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not sure he rose from the dead. And see, understand this, everything we have about Jesus hinges not on the fact that he was a great prophet, a great teacher, a great miracle worker, that he was incredibly compassionate, that he was like no other. All of those things aside, there's one clear reason why we have what we have. See, we have this message because of one event, one incredible event that is above all events, and that is that Jesus rose from the dead. And see, a lot of people like to believe in. But I want to call you to today to understand there's a transition that happens from believing in to trusting in. Meaning, you put your full trust in. See, this is what happened to Mary Magdalene. This is what happened to all the followers of Jesus. See, they believed in Jesus. But something happened after they saw him and they were with him. See, because they made a change, they trusted absolutely in Jesus. So I want, I want to challenge you today. I want to put your faith in Jesus in question, as all of ours. What do you believe as far as the resurrection is concerned? And, and you've got to understand, it's the very people who brought you the Jesus you respect. I mean, all of us respect. There's, there's not one person, people from other religious systems, respect Jesus. But the same people who brought you Jesus, who you respect, are the same ones who claimed he rose from the dead. So, if you're going to believe anything that they said about Jesus, the good things that you like, why would you not believe the most important thing that they said about him? Why wouldn't you believe the whole message? See, to move your trust from believing in, just like Mary Magdalene, when she woke up that morning, she wasn't expecting a resurrection. None of them were. But when they saw him, everything changed. So let me ask you, if you believe parts of their message, why won't you believe the whole message? How do you explain this complete transformation in Peter and John and all the followers of Jesus? In fact, let's just go through the list. Matthew, he said it in his gospel, I saw Jesus risen. I was face to face with him. Then you take Mark, and Mark got his gospel from Peter. And Peter told him, listen, Mark, when you write this down, you've got to tell people, this isn't my belief system. This is what I saw. I'm a witness. I was there. 
with Jesus on many occasions. Then you have Luke, and he did, a, he did an incredible investigation, very detailed investigation to find out what's what. He cross-checked witnesses. He made sure that everything checked out. And then John also said, I was there, I saw. Then Peter, then, then James. Now, you got to stop. Hold, time out here a second. James is the brother of Jesus. Now, what would you have to do to convince your brother that you're the Messiah, the Son of God? Not just, not just one brother, two brothers. James and Jude, yeah, that little small book at the very end, right before Revelation, read it. That was Jesus' brother. What would you have to do to, 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 to really convince your brothers, your two brothers? Yeah, I'm the Son of God. I'm the one. I'm not your brother anymore. I'm your Lord. I'm your Savior. I'm the Messiah. What would it take to convince you that? One thing. One thing. Raised from the dead. No problem. You, you, you got me on that one, Jesus. You got me. You are Lord Christ. And as you heard people incredibly perform today, that was James and Jude lifting up their hands to Jesus. Highly esteemed, you are Lord. Their brother. I mean, what, what do you need to convince you? I mean, this is so clear. How do you explain it? That they were so real about who they were before, and then you read about it, who they are after. So let's talk about this belief in versus trust in. See, believe in is this. I'm going to put my foot on what I believe. Just one foot. I believe in Jesus. But occasionally, when I'm with my friends, when I'm with, at work, when I'm in front of people that, mm, I'll take my foot off. See, that's believe in. I mean, you can go all over the place and ask people, hey, 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 do you believe? I I'm sure a lot of you here today, you're, you're here today, and, and we could ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. Let me take a step further. You may be a member of this church. And you believe in Jesus. You, 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 think, you think Jesus was an incredible prophet. He was a miracle worker. So compassionate like no other. But when it comes to putting your full weight on Jesus... A full stand, everything on Jesus. See, this is trust in. This is believe in. This, this is even believe in. I, I believe in Jesus. But Peter and the apostles, Mary Magdalene, what they did was they put their full weight on Jesus. Everything was on Jesus. 
They put their family on the line. They put their finances on the line. They put their time on the line. They put their future on the line. Everything was on the line with Jesus. I know some of you, I got to be honest, this isn't your life. You got one foot off. You got a hand on, uh, you're reaching out for some support. Now you get up here, it's kind of high, it's a little shaky. You're scared of heights, could create a problem. But that's what it means to follow Jesus. There's going to be hard times, just like it was for them. See, James, shortly after, was beheaded for Jesus. The brother of John. Not the James brother of Jesus. The other James, who was a fisherman, who Jesus said, come with me and follow me, and he left everything. He was beheaded for Jesus. So what does that tell you about James' faith? See, because they gave him the opportunity, they said, James, you can deny Jesus now and we'll let you live. And we go back down the list. It doesn't stop with the apostles. Look at, look at the apostle Paul. Let me read about Paul. Paul was a hater of the church. He went after to persecute the church. He put Christians in prison. He went after Christians. He hated Christians. He had one killed. In 24 hours, he became a follower of Jesus. How do you explain that? And Paul didn't say, this is what I believe. Paul said, this is what I saw. See, we're not following a once upon a time story. This is not, guys, this is not once upon a time. You have to understand that. This is people just like are true in court. When you have someone in court and you bring before the court several witnesses who say, I put my hand on the Bible and I swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. I was there. I saw it. He, she is guilty. And we put people away for that. We've got witnesses. Not just the list that I showed you. Shortly after Jesus' resurrection, there were 500 people who witnessed Jesus. And that's why there was a revolution. Because they trusted in. So today I want to invite you. Maybe you're not ready to take a full stand for Jesus. Maybe you're not ready to do that today. But I want you to move in that direction. Amen. And you need to understand Christianity, the real deal, is standing completely trusting in Jesus. Amen. It's standing and trusting so much that you're willing, you're willing to teach your children. And sometimes it, it, maybe your children won't go with it. They don't believe and it creates family tension. Not because you're trying to create tension, but it creates tension. See, because people, when they follow Jesus, they got to change. They can't live the same life that they used to live. They can't do the same things that they used to do because now they trust in Jesus, not fitting in with the crowd. It may cost you. This is the verse here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life today's service is entitled forever 
right? What do you have that's forever? Let me, let me break it down for you. Everything has an expiration date. Everything. You have one. There's an expiration date on your life. The day that you were born, there was a date that your life is going to end. It will expire. Everything has an expiration date. Your relationships have an expiration date. You, I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my kids. But guess what? There's an expiration date on our family. There's an expiration date on everything. Your money, your bank account, which you are so sure because you've accumulated a lot and you're ready. It has an expiration date. There is nothing in this world that doesn't have an expiration date on it. But Jesus is inviting us into blank expiration date. In fact, it doesn't have an expiration date. It's forever. See what he said? This is the promise that Jesus said. He says, he says this, he says, for God so loved the world, he wanted to take away the fear of death of the expiration date. And he said, for he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. That means forever. See, there's one relationship that has no expiration date if, if you put your weight on it. Careful. If you put your weight on it, that's the promise. So today on Easter Sunday, I want to encourage you, challenge you, invite you to trust in a forever God. So, forever. What do you know about forever? I don't know a lot about forever, but I can tell you one thing. I want a piece of forever. See, because when I was in college and I was looking at the world and looking at life and studying, you know, for, for business school and, and getting ready for my career and my life and looking for the proper mate and all those things that people do and, you know, having, enjoying life and everything, I stopped and thought in college and I said, you know what? There's something missing here. People are chasing something, but I'm not sure they know what they're chasing. And I'm chasing something, but it doesn't make sense because all of this is going to come to an end. See, and this question was, was just gnawing at me inside. It was gnawing at me, and I'm going, okay, finish college, get a job, find a mate, get married, have children, grow those children, buy a house, cars, grow your career, make more money, children go off to college, then you get old and you retire. And here is the biggest question that I could not settle. Then what? And that didn't set well with me. See, because everybody else is fine. They don't think about then what. They're like, they're here and now. Let's just, hey, what are we doing this afternoon? Let's go have lunch. Let's go. I want you to ask that question. Then what? Are you ready for then what? And see, it is the most, it's, a, it's the most, it's the hardest thing. I do a lot of funerals. 
It's the hardest thing for someone to lose someone they love. But let me tell you, when you put your weight on Jesus, all of it, and you live for him, you give your life for him, you dedicate your time for him, this, this is the assurance. I want this. I want my family to have this. I want you to have this. I want you to have forever. And that's why you were invited. That's what Easter is all about. See, because if you take out the resurrection, I promise you, we would not have, Christianity would not have made it out of the first century. No way. We wouldn't have it 2,000 years later. And I promise you, you know, it's, it's going to be around longer than you. It's going to be around a long time. It will be around till the end of time because you can't, you can't ignore what happened Easter morning. You can't ignore what they saw. You can try. Scientists can explain it away. Well, it was this and the stone and this and the other. And, and you know, they, they, it was kind of like this grand scheme, you know, like they do in Vegas. It was a, it was a trick. Okay, fine. How do you explain the transformation of lives? How, how do you deal with that? People willing to die. Almost all of them died for what they saw, not what they believed. So this is why today we say this. To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And all the creatures in heaven said, Amen. Because it's so awesome. That's why today Easter is so incredible, but we celebrate it all year long. So resurrection, what does resurrection mean? Resurrection means opportunity. If you are a closet believer, okay, it's time for you to come out and live like a follower of Jesus. Stop hiding. Stop hiding what you believe. And if you need more faith, then, then read your Bible. In fact, we'll invite you to study the Bible. Today, you can go to the back and, and we'll have a contact card and you, you can let us know and we'll get together whenever you can. We'll get with you. Here's another thing about Mary Magdalene. And some of you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you can become a follower of Jesus because you've done some really bad things. Let me let, me let you know something. I've done some really, really bad things in my life. The resurrection means you get another chance. That's why Mary Magdalene was there. Her life was a wreck. Matthew was a wreck. Paul was a wreck. I mean, could you imagine the guilt that he carried around with him every day? He was a murderer of followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, give you a new start. And the last thing is, if you're here today as a guest, I, I want to invite you to study the Bible. Come to the back. If you need prayer, come to the back. Our ministers, our elders are going to be back there. We'll pray with you. We'll talk with you. We want to be a church to help you to move from believing in to trust in. We're going to take the communion now, so I invite you to pray with me if you can. Let's bow our heads, and we're going to pray for the communion. 
Uh, Father God, we thank you so very much this morning for incredible message that has outlived the first century, the second century, all the way here to the 21st century, and we still have it. God, we celebrate a resurrected Savior. We, says, we celebrate what the apostles proclaimed as what they saw. God, we pray that you will help us. Forgive us for not trusting in. Forgive us for only believing in and wavering in our faith. I pray, God, that you'll help each one of us today, no matter where we are, to take a step in your direction. Help us with that. Thank you for Jesus. We celebrate right now his death and his burial and his resurrection. Thank you for his body that was, that was poured out for us. Forgive us and give us a brand new start. We lift you up. We lift up Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Jesus. Amen.